0: Hey everybody, my name is Rob Shear, and I'm the founder of a national nonprofit called Comfort Cases. I'm also an advocate for children in our foster care system, a public speaker, an author of a book, A Forever Family, but most importantly, I am the father of four amazing children.
1: Hi, I'm Dana McKay, and I saw Rob on The Ellen Show, and when I realized his organization was based right here where I live, I knew I had to get involved. I'm also a social media consultant, a radio host, a podcast producer, and a mother of two children.
0: See, our country's foster care system is shattered, and this podcast is about how we as a community can come together to bring about change, changing the system, and changing the lives of children in care.
1: Welcome to the Fostering Change podcast. Today, we're talking to Jamerica Haynes, and Jamerica is a journalist, and she advocates for youth in foster care. She grew up in foster care herself. She participates in pageants. She is currently Ms. Evergreen State 2020 through the USA Ambassador Pageant, and her platform is A Chance to Succeed, Empowering Youth in Foster Care. Thank you for being with us, Jamerica. Thank
2: you, Dana and Rob. It's great to be here.
0: I am so so excited to talk to you. You know, I I have to say since we started this charity, um, one of the things that we've really had such an amazing outpour, and that are is title holders.
1: Yes, absolutely. We have awesome. so many. Yes, so many young women who just want to help and have a heart for children and have reached out to us, a junior ambassador, and yeah, it's been great.
0: Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. So so, Jamaica, I'd love to jump right in, and I'd love for you to to tell us your story. I think, you know, telling our stories is very important and I'd love to hear your story because I truly believe that each one of us to have a, have the passion that we have for change in foster care is because of our story. And, and, you know, Dana, you know, who her and I have been doing this podcast, you, Dana, you've never been affected by foster care or, you know, I
1: I have not. I, you know, grew up in a middle-class, good loving home with a great family structure and never, really thought about it
0: but now you have a passion for it I do absolutely well
1: I saw you on Ellen and then I was like oh my gosh this guy lives right here and I immediately reached out and a friend actually happened to be doing a packing party here when I told her about it and so I joined and came to the packing party and yeah I guess the rest is history (laughs) but
0: but the thing that the the point I'm making is the fact that you know you have a passion for it because of a story yes you know and so you know Jamaica I would love to hear some of your story
2: Yes, I'm from Seattle, Washington, and I've lived here all my life. I was born and raised here, went to college at Washington State University in Pullman, and my life started out in Tacoma, Washington, which is in the South Puget Sound area here in Western Washington. At the age of five, I went into foster care with my younger sibling and I, and of course, it was a very confusing time. I mean, up until that point, I had always lived with my mom, like most children do. And so while we were in care, we were placed with some really great folks, the Johnsons, and they really just loved on us. They treated us like regular kids. We went on school field trips. We even took family vacations. And we went to church, and just having that stability and love in my life was just so hopeful and motivating for me to look towards my future.
0: Wow. Wow. Wow, that's pretty, you know, I love hearing the warm stories where, you know, um, foster parents doing exactly what foster parents are supposed to do. Yeah, and love. too
1: often we yes. don't hear that, you know, too often we don't, but that makes me happy that there are positive stories out there.
0: Yeah, so, you yeah. know, that's, I, I want to know, so when you, you went to the Johnsons, um, w- were you still in contact with your mom? Yes,
2: and I've always been in contact with my biological family, and mainly through my siblings. I have uh, my oldest sister who's about 10 years older than me, and then another aunt who's only 15 years older than me. And so I've always kept in contact with my family, which I feel very fortunate for.
0: When was the moment that you called your foster parents mom and dad, or did you?
2: I did not. No. I called the Johnsons Mr. and Mrs. Johnson. However, when I did speak of them, I would tell people, oh, they're my you know, grandma and grandpa. Okay. And then the African American community, fictive kin is really a big part of it. And so you'll have relatives um who may not be related to you but may be seen as a second mom or dad. Or you may have people who aren't related to you and you may refer to them as a cousin, an aunt or uncle, or even grandma or grandpa, depending on
0: their age. Yeah, we have the same thing in our family. You know, so my parent, yep. so I grew up in the system, and I ha- I don't have any family. Um, I have biological mm-hmm. brothers and sisters, but I don't have any other family that I really talk to or know about. Um, so my kids have quite a few, you know, aunts and uncles um, that you know might not have the same blood running through all of us, but you know what? They yep. love them, and they have a Grammy and a pappy who um we actually met them at church years and years ago and they um they are literally as close as grandparents could ever be to my children. So Yeah, that's awesome. You know, and then on my husband's side, you know, he's got his whole biological family intact, doesn't never knew foster care or anything like that. So it is kinda cool mm-hmm. that, you know, um we have that. So tell me a little bit about, you know, here here you you have um You aged out of foster care. Did you age out of the Johnsons family?
2: You know, it's a very interesting story. I actually went to another placement, and it was a foster-to-adopt placement. So I was actually adopted at the age of 13. But due to some things I was experiencing, I actually went back into care during the time when I was a teenager. So eventually, when I turned 18, I did leave the last home that I had lived in. And so, like many people's stories in the system, it's very much varied. Um, And so, that's what my experience was. And for myself, I never went home. I think for me, that's what really impacted me was being away from my family at such a young age. You know, I'm now in my early 30s, and to try to think back to what life was like before I was five is very much hazy. So, for what it's worth, all I've known from my childhood is foster care.
0: Wow. Well, what about your sibling?
2: Yes, I, I'm in contact with all of my siblings. My oldest brother did pass away I'm about so four sorry. years ago. Thank you. But I've, I'm in contact with all my siblings. I know where they live. And I think a big part of that was for my own due diligence, just keeping in contact with them. Even when, you know, we were far apart or people were doing their own thing, I always made sure. Even when I was a young teenager like my sister it would drive me crazy because she you know lived in different homes as well and i was always running behind her and you know she would tell me oh my last foster family said you came by the house what are you doing but she actually wrote me a letter as an adult and said thank you so much for being there for me and that was really validating it Um, really was
1: wow that's amazing
0: yeah i love that you know i um I haven't shared this, and I I think I've shared it with Dana, but I haven't shared this on on a podcast. But you know, about two weeks ago, I got a phone call um, from a brother and sister. So I'm the youngest of ten, and. and, yeah, the youngest of 10, and we were all split up. Um, and mm-hmm. so I didn't, didn't grow up with any of them, you know. Um, but all of a sudden I got a, a call about two weeks ago, I think it was, Dana? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, two weeks ago um, from a a, a woman and she informed me that she was my older sister and um, then my within an hour my um older brother called and i'm actually going to see them and meet them for the first time on june the 11th um
2: Oh wow. Yeah,
0: so so this whole thing when it comes to care and you know splitting up siblings and you know everything I I, I know exactly what how important it is. I I've got a really close bond with one sister. Um so tell me about your your platform. Tell me about how you got into pageant, you know. I I will have to tell you until this charity started, um I never thought about pageants. I always watched them because I felt that um, I loved the beauty of these beautiful women and their strong but I I will tell you I always thought it was about the dress and then all of a sudden we had we started this charity and people reached out to me and said would I judge a beauty pageant and I was like what? I was like me? What do you want me to judge? And and I went and I met these group of, of young women and I was in. All. I was like, "Oh my gosh! I will never look at pageants." I mean, this is these are smart, intelligent, um, driven, and so much of this is done be, be, because of scholarships as well. Um, I didn't realize the amount of scholarship money that's in this. So, so tell yes. me about you and pageants and how you got into it, and and you know what you're running for now and what's your platform.
2: Yes. Thank you, Rob. I first started competing when I was a sophomore in college. I happened to be upstairs in our student center building on campus, and they had a scholarship board. On it was for a local pageant to the Miss America program. It was the Miss Pierce County Scholarship Program based in Tacoma, so I reached out and I auditioned to be in that year's class, and it just ignited just this passion for me in my life. I Decided on the volunteer platform, empowering youth in foster care because I had went through the system, and for many years I felt like I was walking on eggshells. They didn't want to stir the pot by asking too many questions about my story, or even by just talking about it. I didn't want other people to feel uncomfortable or to feel helpless. You know, sometimes these stories can be of great magnitude, and, and people don't know what to do. So at such a young age, I I just didn't want people to feel bad, but being able to have a platform where I could help other people, it gave me an opportunity to talk about the system and how it impacts children and families. And so I did that, and so I did the program twice, and then I actually took about a 10-year break. And it was my 30th birthday, and I took photos in the car. It was just a selfie. And someone from a podger organization reached out to me and said, you should compete, and I said oh, I'm past the age of eligibility, I've moved on. She's like, no, it's it'd be really good for you. And I thought about it and I realized how much I had really missed competing because even though I hadn't competed in about a decade, I had spent time doing mock interviews with pageant contestants, actually judged a pageant and just going to them and following them. And so I'm like, who am I kidding? I I just need to compete again. And so I decided to do that and it's been wonderful to – do the work again because I'm at a different place in my life and having finished journalism school picked up a certificate in PR I now knew how to really market what I was doing because beforehand I was just really focused on the volunteering you know and then as I got older it became about messaging and so for me when I'm talking to people it's not just sharing my own story but sharing how the system impacts people and just also to being able to have forward thinking How do we continue forward? And that's why I'm really such a big proponent for policies that affect families in a way that's going to help them. You know, and I always tell people, whether it's a family having a new baby or going through a crisis, it's important that families feel acknowledged in their communities and that they have access to resources in order to help their families be stabilized. And more importantly, that families feel connected and not just feel as if they're known about, but rather known and included as a part of the greater community.
0: I love that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we talk about that a lot too about how so many kids end up in foster care due to neglect because parents just don't have the resources to parent yes. or to be the best that they can be and provide for their kids. So, that's really important. Not just about what happens in the system, but how how can we prevent more kids from going into the system by making sure their parents have what they need. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know, I have to tell you, and I get a lot of backlash from this, so I, you know, mm-hmm. I'm about getting ready to prepare for the backlash. Um, I believe that putting a child in foster care is the worst thing that we can do. Um, I believe that, yes, there is a small percentage that need to be in care because there is abuse out there. There's, you know, we know that. But I feel that if we were to support the family, you know, if we were to support the family, I always thought, and, and I know this sounds kind of crazy, but I always thought that wouldn't it be great if we could have a foster parent who could move into the family and you yeah. know um, stabilize the family, give the parents the support they need? I just feel like that we we as a community would 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 do so much better if we kept the family intact and just gave them the resources and taught them um, what what they needed to do to be a family. Because I do believe that these parents love their children.
1: Mental health um, and drug abuse counseling and services and rehabilitation. I mean, all that stuff plays
2: a role.
0: Yeah, it really does. It does. And by the way. And
2: something that makes me think of too is how important it is for these organizations to establish trust with families in the community, right? And then how do those organizations reach out to other members of the community that are in a really good place to help mentor those? That way people don't always feel like they have to go to a stink sanctioned program or a a nonprofit and and be exposed. Because for some people there is that stigma there. Yeah. Having to ask for help, you know. Many of us can attest to that, you know, whether it's a cancer diagnosis or losing our job. When people go through crisis, feelings of shame do emerge. And it's really important to be educated about that and how to work with that.
1: Absolutely.
0: No, I agree. I agree 100%. And, you know, I mean, and let's also let's pull the Band-Aid off. We know that a lot of this has to do with race as well. Um, You know, I I. I think about- you're,
1: yeah, I was going to say you wrote for the Hill about how the story about the white mother who called 911 because she ran out of baby formula and the police officer brought her the formula, but had that been a person of color, would it have turned out the same way or would that baby have been taken away?
0: Yeah. And, and I believe yeah. that that was in Brooklyn, that was in Baltimore, that was in Compton, um, that, that mother, um, they would have taken that baby. They would have said this is neglect, and we would have taken it. And that, to me, is something that you know. Again, that word "neglect," um, you know, it's so, so, it's it's such it's a gray word. And and what I would love to see judges do, you know, and very few judges, by the way, actually make the decision to remove a child from the system. But I think it should be a judge, and I think that we should ask the following questions: Number one, what have we done to stabilize the family? okay? What what have we truly done to stabilize the family? Number two, um, what have we done to find kinship? Have we really made an effort? I was talking on the phone yesterday to a woman who I'm so excited she's going to be on our podcast, and she's developed this app, and it's almost like It's almost like DNA ancestry, um, but it's for kids in foster care so they can find biological family members. Um, Wow. Because I do believe that that, you know, that should be the next step that we should go is find a kinship. Then I think the third question should be, what have we done to make the perpetrator move and not the child, you know? So many times, you know, if if it's two in the home, you know, which sometimes we see, there's not two, but there. What have we done to remove the perpetrator and not the child? You know, so those are things that I think we need to to ask ourselves: is how do we how do we support and make the family even better?
2: Yes, and I believe that's really helpful, and I do feel as though there is discrimination that may occur where you know families who may not be as educated or who may be low income, you know, You there's still unfortunately a lot of people who think, you know, negatively about people who are poor, you know? And I think that's not fair because any family can end up poor if they lose a job, if they don't have support from a family member or other community organizations. And so I, I think it's important that people be aware. And also, too, the word neglect, it is ambiguous, right? Yeah. Because, You know, maybe a parent doesn't feel like they need to be independently wealthy in order to take care of their child, right? So just because they may not be able to put their kids in the best clothing or or may not, or if they don't know how to run a household, they're not intentionally neglecting the child, right? Or they may not be, and someone else may have their own version of what it means to parent. And care for a child. So I think it's really important to just not slap a label on something and to really figure out what's going on.
1: Absolutely. Well, and, and, with, support so, the family. Well, and with so many people losing their jobs who were just getting yes. by before and yeah. they, who were able to put food on the table and they were just barely getting by and now they're not. There's going to be a lot of, you know, they need resources, they need help and what's unfortunately probably going to happen is a lot of these people will end up with kids in the system because they're not able to keep a roof over their head.
2: Yeah. And there is a fear of asking for help. And some people don't know where to go for help. Yeah. Yeah. I,
0: I agree with that 100%. We don't provide enough communication um, and support. It's, um, yeah. It's like I said. It's it's absolutely. There's so many things that we could change about our system, and I, I think doing what we're doing today, which is educating ourselves, talking to each other, and really bringing this to light, is so so critical. So, listen. I'd like to to know as we're we're wrapping this podcast up, and you know, again, yeah. I'm so so excited how can people how can people support your cause what you're doing and how can people support your platform and you know i would love to know how how can we do that
2: well on a community level i would tell people to research locally what they can do for foster children here in seattle we have a number of nonprofits i volunteer with a couple of them treehouse for kids and i live in callie's place and I have been friends with some of these people, and I've volunteered, I've spoken at some of their events, and so for me, that's a great outlet. For me, for other people, you may have the local, you know, Department of Children uh, and Family Services office where they may do community donation drives, and they ask for coats or gifts during the holidays, and so you can donate. But I would say the first thing is doing the research, and then the second thing is um, contacting your local state's people, your Congress people, and, and asking them what are they doing to help families across the board. Because when I talk about family policy, it's just not foster care, but it's also FMLA, paternal, you know, maternity leave, those things that affect all of our families. And just being able to keep track of that, because the thing is, if they're willing to cut foster care, how do you know if they're not willing to cut FMLA? Yeah, that's And that's true. the thing, the family that may go through the system, they need FMLA, um, Later down the road, and it can be said in the reverse. So, those are the two things that I would suggest that people do. And then in my bio, I'm assuming that you'll post on the website, people can follow me on Facebook and Instagram, and they can just see the work that I'm doing right up until the time I go to the national pageant. Love it. it. For the Ms. U- USA Ambassador role. Yes.
0: Yes. Well, we will definitely be posting that on our website. Yep, we
1: put all of that stuff up. Absolutely. Thank so you. As, mm-hmm.
0: as we finish this podcast, we always do um, the same thing uh, as we end it. You know, I feel like we're like the Johnny Carson. <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> um, but Dana always asks a question, and um, I will tell you, we have been so blown away by the answers. I keep saying that I'm going to write a, another book, and it's going to be all okay. the answers to the questions. So, Dana, here you go.
1: Um, if you could change two things about the foster care system, what would they be?
2: Instead of an immediate removal, being able to connect families to resources that they need, if the child is not in immediate danger, just finding out what it is. If they need food, if they need clothing, if they need connection, being able to have a social worker work with that family instead of just automatically removing the child. I would say the second part is asking that people open their minds. I went to a foster parent training and I shared my story and I had a woman in the audience stand up and said, you don't look like you went through foster care. And what I would like to see people do is just realize that just because someone goes through foster care doesn't make them this other. And it's very jarring and disconnecting to have people look at you that way. And if people can just see you as just having gone through the system, people would then realize, you know, people aren't their circumstances. And that's for all of us. Absolutely. And people can go on to live happy and fulfilled lives in spite of the adversity they experience. So those are the two things I would want people to know as far as how we would change the system.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. Well, let me tell you, Jamaica, I am so, so excited that you and I have connected and I get to call you my friend. And I am so looking forward to watching this journey. Um, We are supporting you 100%. Um, You know, right now, because of the virus, you know, I don't get to travel. But normally, you know, I'm I'm all over the country. And I know that I'm going to be in your area, hopefully, you know, in 2021. Um, But you know, we are definitely going to sit down and have a cup of coffee because i just love love having these conversations with you so everybody listen thank you rob thank we're you, Tina we will be posting um how you can you know follow Jamaica and her journey and we will you can listen to this podcast Dana yep. on
1: so if you are just listening through our website today you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Deezer and TuneIn. So we're on all the all the big podcast apps. Just look for Fostering Change.
0: And please make sure that when you do that that you share it, that share you it, share. Leave it, leave a review? Yes, yes, we love reviews. We need reviews to keep this moving forward because we're dedicated to be part of the change. Jamerica, have an amazing rest of your week, and we will all talk to all of you again next Tuesday.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank, thank, you. thank you, Jamerica. Thank
0: you. Dana and I would like to thank all of you for listening to the Fostering Change podcast.
1: You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Make sure you follow Comfort Cases on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Comfort Cases and check out the Fostering Change blog at comfortcases.org.
0: So everybody, we want to hear your stories. So reach out to us if you would like to be a guest on the podcast. You can find me on Facebook at Rob shear Instagram at Rob underscore Scheer, and on Twitter at Rob Scheer 6.
1: And please share this podcast and leave us a review.
0: Remember, we're all part of the same community. Your zip code, it's not your community, but it's our human race. Let's all make a difference.